woods and waters of the Great Lakes State to the Michigan Talk Network. It's Wild Michigan with your host, Duran Martinez. Welcome to Wild Michigan. I'm Duran Martinez. Happy to have you here on the Michigan Talk Network. All over the world via our podcast and website, wildmichiganradio.com. You can pick up the podcast there absolutely free. Uh, we have them uploaded, all ready to go, and this one will be there as well. Welcome to April, already into the fourth month of the year. You know, when it's winter time, it just kind of drags out slowly, you know, and just until spring gets here, then it flies right by into summer and then fall again. But, uh, but you know, we're going to keep uh, updating you with what's going on around the state and around the country with the outdoors. And want to thank our friends at Not Just Guns who have redone their website completely. Check them out, notjustguns.com. Order securely. Anywhere you hear my voice, you can do so on there, and they'll work with your local FFL dealer to get you what you need. Plus, some great deals on in-stock ammunition, and there's a lot of different ammunition in stock that you cannot find anywhere else. Also, our friends at Conquest Sense in Davison, Michigan, which I'm very happy to say they uh, they invited me uh, two weekends ago up to United Deer Farmers of Michigan to get a, a first uh, impression first-hand look at deer farming in Michigan. Now, I, I know there are people that that you know automatically go to the, we don't want deer farming, we don't need deer farming, we're going to get to that in a minute. But uh, I, I saw things on a very different level. I had the opportunity to hang out and meet uh, Blaine Anthony, the bear whisperer, which we became uh, very fast friends, I think. And we'll have Blaine on the show here before too long. But first, we'd like to welcome the the uh, revolving door president of the United Deer Farmers of Michigan, who just happens to be our good friend from Conquest Sense, uh, Doug Roberts. How are you, sir? Good, Duran. Good to be back with you. Revolving door. Yeah, it does kind of feel that way. It's kind of like the revolving door for Duran and radio. You know, I mean, every time I think I'm out, they pull me back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, I started to realize maybe I'm just meant to, this is what I'm meant to do, and uh, until the good Lord uh, tells me to stop, you know, I, I enjoy it. I, I love the industry. Uh, people in the industry are wonderful uh, to work with and to be with and to learn with, so uh, it's a lot of fun, but uh, and you get to be outdoors to see a great animal, you know. Oh my gosh, you know, I, I love seeing whitetails in the wild or wherever, wherever they're at. It doesn't matter. Uh, it doesn't matter if it's if it's a, it's a farm or if it's in my backyard or if it's at a safe distance driving down the road. I love looking at whitetail. I love to see what they're up to and what you know different. Uh, habits they are have developed as they age or in groups or whatever i mean it's a constant learning process and you get to see it 365 24 7 all the time you know and and really like i've I've told you many times over there there are a lot like us what they go through in seven years we go through in 70 years uh personality wise experience wise it's it's really kind of neat uh, to see those uh, personality changes over time and with age. And, uh, you know, they just, they do it much quicker than what we do. But uh, you can really relate to them and start to understand what they may be thinking about doing or not doing uh, based on the situations they're in. And, and again, it definitely helps you when it comes to hunting and setting up patterns to get them where you want them to be 
at the right time. You know, there's a. I, I was able to um, to to speak at the event, which I'm I'm very grateful for that opportunity. Um, you know, you can think about what you're going to say, think about what you're going to say, and all of a sudden, the left turns on you, and you end up someplace that you have no idea where you got. But hopefully, uh, it was it was okay, and there was a couple people that came up to me and enjoyed it, which is good. Um, but I mean, I, I did learn quite a bit about the industry and what you are are putting back into not only your own farming, but uh, the health and well-being of whitetail in the wild as well, because it's all-encompassing when you look at it. Well, Duran, it is. If you look at the history of deer farming, it was actually the DNR agencies that actually started uh, people farming deer. And, and it was very legitimate reason back then because we had very few deer in the wild and either they were going to kind of go extinct and be on that edge or they simply said, hey, let's give some of these deer to the farmers that know how to raise them, release the offspring for a number of years, repopulate the wild deer. And then they came back to the farmers and said, hey, thank you. It was successful. Um, we don't need you doing it anymore. And those farmers went no, we really like this. We're going to keep doing this. Mm-hmm. And deer farming was created. Um, and most people don't understand that. We actually did a TV, an episode on our TV show about that and showed the history of it, um, which was even amazing to me. Um, but, you know, what people don't understand, the people that are, are against deer farming, that don't like deer farming, first of all, I don't think have really looked at um, – the deer farming side, they've made their decisions based on what they may have heard, rumors, but they really haven't looked at both sides. You don't have to like it or have to be a part of it. But when you look at, for example, right now, the deer farming industry with their own funds, this isn't governmental funds, this is funds from farmers and ranchers. We now know that there are certain markers, resistant markers, in deer, certain deer, that are resistant to CWD. And so our industry is now breeding for those resistance. In other words, we're going to, over time, it's going to happen quicker than we thought, we're going to build breed CWD right out of our industry. And the only ones that's going to have CWD problems are going to be the wild deer herd. Mm-hmm. And, and, and again, we're already trying to figure out how do we transfer this information into the wild deer herd to make the wild deer herd even better. Uh, let's take EHD as another deadly, deadly, it's actually more deadly than CWD by far. It kills more deer every year than CWD ever thought of in the wild deer herd. But it also kills certain animals in the farming industry. So the farming industry said, hey, how do we make a vaccine for the three different strains of EHD? Well, at this point, we have two out of the three strains vaccine so we can literally vaccinate our deer even if they get ehd they may get sick but they're not going to die from it Hmm. and so we have brought that that far along and again the deer farming industry did it so now we're looking and saying how do we take those vaccines and get them into where we can vaccinate the wild deer herd so all of these research projects and all of these diseases that affect deer inside and outside the fence are being figured out and corrected by the deer farming industry. If we didn't have the deer farming industry, 
we would just have it going on and on and on. And honestly, that's what the DNR agencies and a lot of the, the hunting community um, don't understand. Um, so there are a lot of good reasons for farming because we can use the agricultural site. Department of Agriculture, USDA, they are designed, their, their talents are to figure out how to fight and get rid of diseases. Uh, the best one is scrapies and sheep. Within 15 years, they found the DNA markers to literally breed scrapies right out of existence. Wow. And it's amazing. It, it's, a, it's a neat thing. that The ability of the minds of those scientists are outstanding. So Dr. Haley, Dr. Seabury's work, we're already looking at how can we help the wild deer populations. Without farming, we wouldn't have any of that. You know, and and that's and that's important to know because, like you said, I was going to go into uh, someone had wrote on our Facebook page when I had mentioned that we're going up here for this event that you know we don't need byproducts from deer farming. Deer farming has been nothing but bad. I'm paraphrasing, paraphrasing, mind you. Um, that it's uh, anything from the deer farming industry is harmful and, and all this other stuff. You know, I'm like, wow. I said, why don't you actually talk to somebody in the industry? You know, you're completely t- entitled to your opinion. We, we welcome your opinion, but at least take the opportunity to inform yourself a little bit past your nose, if you will. Speaking with well, Doug Roberts uh, right now. Sorry, Doug, we're going to up against the break. We're going to come right back with more from you here on this topic uh, next on Wild Michigan, being brought to you by our friends at Conquest Sense here on the Michigan Talk Network. us on Facebook or listen to podcasts all from our website at wildmichiganradio.com now back to Duran Martinez and Wild Michigan cross the line at an hour to time in a state 94 more miles through the Great Lakes State turn it up so the bus ain't late another night in Michigan Welcome back to Wild Michigan. I'm Duran Martinez being brought to you by Not Just Guns, Cedar Street 127 in Mason. And uh, totally redesigned website. Check them out anytime you can, 24-7 at notjustguns.com. And, of course, we've got uh, Doug Roberts, the deer professor, joining us right now on the Conquest Sense hotline. Uh, Doug, I wasn't going to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, okay. When I when I posted the event schedule for United Deer Farmers of Michigan, Jeff wrote in and said, "We don't want and I'm and I'm verbatim here. We don't want or need deer farms. They only introduce problems into the wild deer populations that would never happen otherwise." No, we don't need deer urine to hunt with. We don't need any byproducts of farming deer because they're always, uh, always harmful instead of helpful. Now, if you were listening remotely to that first segment, you would have heard and maybe uh, drawn a different conclusion because you are taking your own money to research CWD to find cures for EHD and CWD. And, you know... Look, man, this is your livelihood. Why in the hell would you not want to put money into the health of these deer instead of just raising them, you know, and see what just kind of survives? Well, exactly, Duran. I mean, Karen and I have literally donated tens of thousands of dollars into the research uh, for CWD, EHD. I mean, there's a number of those diseases that, 
are in agricultural, which is farming practices, cows, sheep, pigs, it goes on and on. But it's also, you know, again, CWD being that big one, but for somebody to say that and say that we are interjecting, you know, diseases into the wild herd, then they don't know the history of CWD. Um, because if you look back now out west, uh, for many, many years, there was free-ranging cattle and free-ranging sheep herds that literally were just left on federal lands and allowed to graze all summer long and then were rounded back up. Well, believe it or not, scrapies and sheep is what was not only getting into the wild sheep herds, but it literally jumped species and got into the cervidae herds, which are deer, elk, uh, and, and so on, those animals that we farm. Uh, now, we didn't know this right away. I mean, this has taken, you know, we're in now 40 years of CWD, and knowing about it, uh, USDA's Infectious Disease Department just came out here a couple months ago with an article. They did a study. And what they did is they studied literally scrapies and sheep and CWD and deer. And their findings came back is that they are exactly the same disease. In other words, scrapies simply jumped species and got into deer. Identically the same. Hmm. So in what we're finding, like here in Michigan, let's just use Michigan as an example. We've had a handful of CWD positives inside the fence, farming industry. There are a few hundred outside Mm -hmm. so science logically says outsides giving it to the inside it's not the inside giving it to the outside but it doesn't matter who you blame The, the the thing that people have to start to understand and we hope they realize is it we're all in this together sure the bottom line is michigan has a disease in survey deer and elk which we both have wild and farmed in this state and it can affect both sides of the fence. So how do we fix the problem? What frustrates me is when I hear groups, hunting groups and DNR agencies go, we're trying to slow the spread of the disease. What I need to hear and what I want to hear and what you hear from the farming industry, how do we eliminate and get rid of the disease. There's a big difference there. Oh, sure. And so the the deer farming industry has made up its mind. We are going to eliminate, get rid of CWD, and we're going to do it in the because of you know we we now know the markers, you know the DNA markers that we can look and we can breed out, we can breed resistance into our own animals. It can be done in the wild. It's just going to take longer. But we also have humic acid, which we now know it balances the pH in deer systems. And so we have feed supplements that we can give our deer that keep that balance. And if you have a balanced pH system, you have a healthy immune system, which means you don't get a sick. You don't catch things normally. You can fight them off. So the deer farming industry has figured all this stuff out, but yet the hunting community and the DNR agencies aren't willing to go, hey, you're onto something there. How do we do this to the wild deer herd? Mm-hmm. They simply want to sit back and blame and point fingers. And, and now it's actually becoming very, very obvious that there's a bigger problem in the wild deer herd than there definitely is in the deer farming industry. Right. You know, and and, and again, D- Doug Roberts is our guest here on Wild Michigan. Uh 
it really it really doesn't take much to step outside of of what you think you know you know to get the questions answered instead of drawing an opinion and that's what we have tried to do with this show from the very start is to learn from these things i've learned from you i can't even begin to tell you the the amount of things that we've learned on this show and, and me personally selfishly personally uh about white-tailed deer habits and and you know things that they go through that we're trying to change you know for, for the better i mean honestly yeah it's and again it's because we're looking at at it from not only the love of the animal but also a livelihood um you know hunters don't have to use scent products they they don't have to use any of those things to go hunting if they want to be a very primitive just spot and stalk or just wait their time out um that's a hunter's prerogative and and i don't care how anyone hunts hunt mm-hmm. any way you want to do it with any type of products or lack of thereof as long as you do it legally by the law just keep hunting if you want to hunt high fence ranches, great. If you don't, that's fine. It doesn't matter. But the, we just got to keep people hunting uh, and really keep teaching our younger generations how do you harvest and collect your own food. Uh, heaven forbid if we ever had to get back to that's where it has to be. Exactly. Doug most Roberts. People don't have, most people don't have any idea. No, no. I know. You, you, know, you, don't, you don't hunt animals. You go to the store and buy meat. Oh my gosh! I don't even get don't. Uh, that's a whole nother road. I'm not going down this morning. Uh, Doug yeah. Roberts is joining us here on um, Wild Michigan, and uh, by all means, yes, uh, you know, help us out here, and uh, you know, and, and maybe take a little bit of time to to figure out uh, what's going on outside of you know what you think you know and that's what we have done here uh from the beginning and and doug i I really have to say man uh how grateful i am for all the things that you taught us here and uh and for listeners if you have questions make sure you drop us an email outdoormailbag at gmail.com there's a link on the website for ask the deer professor okay you can ask doug your questions or voice your concerns about what he's up to and uh, we'll get him answered directly to you here on the show ask the deer professor right here on wild michigan doug thank you so much for joining us Sounds good. Hey, always good to be with you, Duran. All right, man. Doug Roberts, thank you so much. Got more coming your way. Going to speak with Dan Kimmel next. Wild Michigan on the Michigan Talk Network. Still believe. Hey, Michiganiacs, this is your blood brother, Ted Nugent, celebrating the almighty Michigan spirit of the wild with my blood brother, Duran Martinez, on Wild Michigan. Go wild.
Welcome back to Wild Michigan. I'm Duran Martinez. Happy to have you here as always. Welcome to April. We're getting closer and closer to what spring should really look like here. At least at least down here in Michigan. Uh, last week I was in Mount Pleasant for the Commemorative Bucks of Michigan event. A great, great time for their fundraiser and banquet. Their 37th annual. Very happy to uh, be there, MC. Thank you so much. Uh, got a little snow up there, but not as bad as Gaylord was two weeks ago for the United Deer Farmers of Michigan. But, uh, man, if you got an event coming up, and you'd like us to be there, by all means, contact me via the website, wildmichiganradio.com. Would love to be a part of your event if we can make that happen. And thanks to our friends at Conquest Sense. Just had Doug Roberts, the deer professor, joining us here, talking a little about about, uh, deer farming in Michigan. Uh, We're going to talk about, you know, spring deer and whatnot, but we just got on a hot topic and stayed there. Right now, we're going to speak with Dan Kimmel from greatlakesbass.com. Uh, Michigan, a couple of years ago, we've had the opportunity to uh, vote in or get voted in, rather, the uh, chance to go out bass fishing and target bass uh, with an instant release. And Dan Kimmel, you are a very big part of that. How are you, sir? I'm doing great. Uh, this weather is what I'm, you know, what I'm wondering about. Well, you you realize where it is you reside, correct? Yeah. Yes, I do. <laughs> yeah. I mean, two weeks ago, I was in two two days of winter storm warnings, forty five plus mile an hour winds, blowing and drifting snow, and just a half hour to the south, it was fine. <laughs> yeah, that's definitely this year. I keep thinking we've got to get a nice spring. This is like the fifth cold, windy, and probably rainy spring we've had in a row. Well, you know, that global warming. It, it's making yeah. everything hot and, you know, nasty and unbearable. So, But uh, but I digress. Let's. Uh, you, you've already been out fishing this morning? Yes. Yeah, oh. I, I thought, why not? The sun's supposed to be out, and it's supposed to be light breeze. Wrong. Wrong. <laughs> high wind coming out of the west making everything miserable <laughs> yeah it's blowing right up under my coat but uh when i'm casting i don't mind but i i really what i'm doing today is making snow cones more than anything right blowing the ice out of your eyelets and you know all the other stuff bass fishermen love to do yeah yeah it's uh I got, thought I had a couple of bites because the ice got caught up in my reel, and my reel hit that, and I thought oh, I got a bite. Oh, it's ice! <laughs> How now? Let, let's talk about cold water bass in open water. Um, what type of presentation are you using? I mean, it's got to be kind of slow and and somewhat clunky, I would assume. Yeah, this is the strangest spring in quite a while out, out here. Um, normally, I'm throwing a blade bait outside the drop offs where I know there's some milfoil. Because uh, they stage up outside of there, because there's usually bluegills hanging right around the edge of that milfoil, and that's so far it's just not working right now for some reason. So they they're either further out or they're doing something really strange. Well, you know, I mean, where, where's the warmer water at? I mean, is what I'm looking at. Right, um, right. You know, even even in the shallows, the sun really hasn't had enough time uh, to to warm that even you know the shallower water up too much. Right. It's, uh, I, yeah, I'm breaking ice almost every time I go out this year <laughs> along the shoreline. Um, and that's not a good sign this time of year. You know, you shouldn't be breaking ice anymore. Not really. Well, my thought is, Dan, if you're breaking ice when you're going bass fishing, you may have an addiction of some sort. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, I think I have a problem. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of people on shore are looking at who is that crazy guy out there. 
Well, no different than seeing the guys on the golf course, as far as I'm right. concerned. <laughs> right, right. And talk about weird, I mean, hitting gol- golf balls, you know, in the little holes. Now, uh, Dan Kimmel with GreatLakesBass.com, uh, what, I mean, is there a- an ideal start to a, a water temperature warm-up? I mean, where are we going to see uh, that that break from from you know, like no action to at least something uh, when it comes to water temperature. Yeah, as soon as it as soon as it starts hitting up into the mid forties, you fish start moving towards the shallows, and then you have the perch spawn, and that that's part of what's going on. I have not seen a single perch, not even cruising the shallows yet. Um, they should be spawning soon. They should have started already. It's just this weather. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking for. I'm trying to see if they're moving in somewhere else that they don't normally move in. If I find a perch, then I know there'll be some bass, you know, sneaking around around them. Now you had mentioned a, a blade bait, but what of like a, like a um, uh, like a head and sonar or a silver buddy? Okay. Yeah, it's just a little hunk of metal with some. Le- le- you let it sink to the bottom, and then you just pull it up off the bottom a few feet and let it flutter down over and over and over. Okay, what about the 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 old match the hatch term that we use uh, for like steelhead fishing? I, you know, you have perch cruising those shallows. It's going to be about that time for spawning, and you know, bass is definitely going to take advantage uh, of something you know smaller sitting there. Uh, right. Ever ever go that route? Yeah, I I actually uh, I have a perch looking jerk baits, but I do better on the silver and the white ones for some reason, at least on this lake. Um, I had a huge bass come up on one Sunday, and he went after it six times without getting it. I could not get him to open it. It was just a monster bass. Could not get him to open his mouth. And that's how he got to be a monster bass. <laughs> I know. Exactly. I, I mean, it just came out of nowhere. I thought it was a pike. It snuck up from underneath deep, and, and then it come up, and I'm like, oh, my goodness, that is a giant bass. And it just kept swirling on my bait and swirling and slashing at it. Never quite took it, so it was exciting. But I wish I'd have hooked it. Um, any, I mean, gosh, you know, th- this is so weird because I don't bass fish nearly as much as I used to. You know, mm-hmm. I, you know, you get into walleye fishing and and steelhead and trout fishing, things like that. You get distracted. Uh, but but there are some people like yourself that you know they're so laser focused, and, and I'm not saying that's a bad thing at all. Yeah, I don't think. I hope not. <laughs> but uh, uh, I, you know, I, I found another spot where there was a little group of bluegills by some wood. And if you can find wood this time of year, that's something different. It usually attracts heat. And sure enough, there's this huge, another huge bass just sneaking along behind him a little deeper. And that one I spooked, unfortunately. And that's that's the only two fish I saw that were you know good ones. I had a little tiny one on shallow. I went up really shallow. In fact, just before. Uh, we talked. I was up in like eight inches of water looking for like a bass just sunning itself. Well, yeah, I could see that. I was going to say really, but no, I mean, when that water, when that light hits the water, it's definitely an easier way to warm up in those shallows. Yeah, and I concentrate on the north and northwest, and those almost always are the warmest, the fastest. And that's been the case at this lake. Usually it's where I catch the shallowest, easiest fish is in the north-northwest. It's it's pretty simple. I do it at almost every lake I go to in the you know early year. Mm-hmm. Well, that's probably, like you said, the corner of where um, the, the sun is most prevalent. Right. 
right? It d- depends on what the wind's doing and the makeup of the lake. But this, you know, here at Round Lake, it's got a lot of dark bottom, and you got dark bottom in the northwest corner. I mean, that's going to get the most sun and heat. It's going to warm up. And that's where I saw the two little bass, and one of them grabbed a little beetle spin I was throwing. I was I was looking for tr- perch with it. And a little bass grabbed it, and I, I lost him because I was so shocked that I had a bite. <laughs> <laughs> Dan Kimmel from GreatLakesBass.com giving us the the updates on uh, some early bass fishing. Of course, uh, we're able to target and re- instantly release uh, bass when caught now. Yeah, that was that's a great change, and I, I'd kind of like to see a little bit more opportunity for the bass tournament anglers. But overall, most bass anglers should be pretty happy, and and I, I do see more guys out early, and it's even affected more guys out late, late in the year because they find out hey, you can actually catch them on things like blade baits. That's awesome. Dan Kimmel, GreatLakesBass.com, joining us. Uh, Dan, I'm going to put you on hold real quick, and we're going to talk more about what GreatLakesBass.com has been up to over the course of the wintertime. So if you don't okay. mind hanging on, we're going to do that. We're going to speak more with Dan Kimmel here in just a few minutes. And if you miss any of this show, make sure you hit us up on the website for our podcast, which is an identical copy of this, uh, at WildMichiganRadio.com. I'll speak more with Dan Kimmel on the Conquest Sense Hotline coming up next on Wild Michigan. Send your suggestions, comments, or questions to us here via email at outdoormailbag at gmail.com. Now, back to Wild Michigan. Turn the quiet up, turn the noise down, let this old world just spin around. Welcome back to Wild Michigan. I'm Duran Martinez. Happy April to each and every one of you. Happy birthday to my daughter, April uh, 3rd, 24 years old. My gosh, I blinked. I blinked. And uh, that's what happens, man. When you blink and you have small kids, they turn into bigger kids and they're gone out of the house and they're 24 years old. Unbelievable. But uh, very proud of that uh, young lady. Thank you, Aaron, and uh, happy birthday to you. Uh, Dan Kimmel, GreatLakesBass.com, is joining us on the Conquest Sense hotline. Uh, if you missed, uh, missed any of Dan's first part of the segment, you can go to the podcast at WildMichiganRadio.com. Pick that up absolutely free. Thank uh, thank you to our great affiliates as well for having us all over the Great Lakes State uh, to be able to talk about the outdoors with you here on a weekly basis. And Dan, uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, GreatLakesBass.com, your website, and the uh, the hard work you guys put into it because um, as long as I've known you, which has been all of the 16 years we've been doing this show, um, you have made improvements uh for anglers in the state and it's it's not just bass anglers because it really opens up the eyes to our legislators which uh a lot of them you know look i'm gonna be honest a lot of them don't really have a clue how much money goes into the outdoors here in michigan uh anglers being a huge part of that as we are number well like two or three in in licenses and the most uh, licensed boats in the country. I mean, come on. 
we have 20% of the world's fresh water surrounding us, not to mention inland lakes. How do you not know? Yeah, it's, it is surprising. So what can you do? You, you just try to show them. And, you know, we did a new study just a few years ago at MSU that showed that fishing and hunting was much, much bigger to Michigan than anybody thought it was. That was a huge study, and that really opened some eyes. It's, it's just numbers that they couldn't argue with, and they, they definitely can't ignore no, no. I, I spoke with Senator Bumstead the other day. He's one of the guys that get it. Uh, I, I met him up at Gaylord uh, here a couple of weeks ago, and we'll have him on the show to talk about some of the concerns we have because you know we have this opportunity to get these people on the show and talk to them directly and express not only the concerns I have but the ones you guys have as well. Um, and, and I know you take a group of legislators out bass fishing every year, and, and that's got to open up some eyes as well. Yeah, that we haven't done it recently. For some reason, I don't get a lot of sign-ups, and I'm hoping that'll change again. But when we've done it, it's been a blast because they they get out there and they're like little kids all over again. All <laughs> of us are, and especially if they catch a few fish and see a big muskie or something. Because we've done it on Lake St. Clair when we've done it, and uh, it's 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 a lot of fun. I mean, just to see a different aspect of somebody who you have to sit in meetings with suits and ties. You know, normally. Yeah, and a lot of good that does the outdoors when you're stuck inside a building all day. Well, I, I met a senator way back, like 30-some years ago, and he told me, you know, you don't need to put on a suit and die. You're a fisherman. Come in, look like a fisherman. And I've tried to always take that to heart because I'd rather do that than wear a suit and a tie if I can get away <laughs> with it. <laughs> Buddy, I've been in radio for 30 years. <laughs> Trust me, my wardrobe has taken a big slump. <laughs> <laughs> But um, but no, that's um, it's it's important to for them to see you as you. You know what I mean? Not as one right. of them, but uh, to see you for who you are, and it gives them a better perspective. I think of um, of what goes on. Yeah, I mean, when we changed the last bass season, we had to change a state law to do it, and uh, they basically were so nice to me because of those fishing trips. They just walked me through and told me what to do, and I just had to do it. Now, don't talk too long. You talk a minute and a half is all we need because we're gonna we're gonna vote yes. And <laughs> right, right. You know, it was it was great that I think wow, it's a good thing I took him fishing. <laughs> right here, kid, we got this. Just just say hi. I'm Dan Kimmel, GreatLakesFast.com. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> it was important. We want it. Yep, we know. Yes, we vote yes. <laughs> but you know, and but but that's important because look, you could have gotten in trouble if you were fishing for bass, targeting bass, even though you were releasing, it was still not, you know, legal. Yeah, it's, and it's still not legal to catch, you know, to fish for certain fish when the season's closed. That's just Michigan law. I mean, it's a, it's a legal attempt to take. And I've always said that, you know, if you're out there fishing for something legal that's going to hit the same thing, it, it really doesn't make sense to have that law. It's just it takes a long time to change, you know, the way people think. It takes a long time. Buddy, I... <sighs> That was a whole first segment already. <laughs> I'm not even, even going to start into that. But yeah. no, the, there are some there are some perceptions of of what things are, especially especially from those who who do not know the outdoors. You know, I mean, when here in Michigan we have so much of our voting being done by big city, when the majority of the state is rural. You know, even even Lansing. Look, I, I've lived in Lansing my whole life. I live in Holt now, but literally in Lansing, you are 15 minutes from any body of water or hunting field. 
Yeah. You know, so why does why does you know the big city? Why does Detroit uh, get to say what goes in the state? You know, for hunting and fishing. That's a challenge. You just have to educate, and that's you know that's really why I started my website was to brainwash people into thinking like an outdoors person, and and it's worked uh, you know to some small degree. It's helped because I've changed even fishermen. You know, I I had to change a lot of the way they think to get some of this stuff done because people people are afraid of change. You know, that's just normal, and there's nothing you can do to avoid it. So you need to help them change. Really, is what you need. You need to be a change manager. I seriously think you're pushing my buttons on purpose. No, I don't want to. <laughs> but no, it is. It is changed. Look, it's, it, this is the. This is where Duran gets in trouble. This is the the line worker mentality that Lansing and Detroit and a lot of places have. Okay, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. I'm not bashing anybody that's worked a line. God bless you. You've kept this state going. Um, Unfortunately, in an economy that it's it's not relying on it as much as it used to be. When you look off to the west with Grand Rapids, you know they're flourishing because they're not relying on the automobile industry. But yeah. what I'm saying is, when you have done a job for 30 years, that this has been your position, this is what you do, this is the time you do it, and you have a routine. You like your steak and your potatoes and your salad at a certain place, on your plate at a certain time, okay? You change that. You alter that the routine. People do not like it. And that's just no. how this place is. You can't help it. That's how we were yeah. raised. Okay. Yeah. But it's up to us to somehow shed a little light on difference that makes uh, makes it better for all of us. Yeah, I'd take them all fishing if I could. If they'd all fit in my boat, I'd just take them all fishing. Um, I've, I've just seen I've seen a lot of good come of that. You know, a lot of good for a lot of things come of fishing. That's I guess that's why I like it so much. Well, you know, and and I'm just glad that your boat is is on the water this early in the year. <laughs> Because I yeah, know you've had some problems with that in the past. Yeah, I uh, I would I would be going crazy if I couldn't get out. I mean, I I keep looking, thinking, please be better weather, and I think ah, I'm going anyways. <laughs> right, Dan Kimmel, GreatLakesBass.com, dot com, joining us here real quickly. Dan, I know we're going to be up against a break here in a minute, but um, what is uh, what is the website? What are you working on right now for GreatLakesBass.com? dot com? I'm working on finally redesigning it just to be more modern and smooth so I can get more because I want to I want to get a lot of beginning information out there. I'm still running into a lot of beginning anglers. We, you know, the shows this year um, talk to a lot of people who are who are just getting started. It's amazing how many and they need help. So I want to try to help them more. Well, good. You know, I've learned a lot from you myself and and have had the opportunity to fish with you on a couple of occasions, be it walleye or bass, and it, it's always been fun. And, and Dan is a great guy. When you see him at these shows, come up to the GreatLakesPass.com uh, booth and, and say hi or just get yourself on the website because uh, you are the ones driving him to do what he does. And, Dan, I appreciate that uh, a great deal. Thanks. All right. Uh, I'm not sure where we're at time wise, but uh, I still got you here, and um, and uh, so you're. I, this is the big secret that is the worst kept secret in the world. But you're at Round Lake out in Langsburg. Yes, yes. The secret lake that's not a secret. People keep saying, "Why do you talk about it so much?" I said, "I, I guess it's just easier to tell people the truth. Right. <laughs> I don't have to remember what I told them last time." <laughs> that, that's so true. It's a, and it's a great lake. I mean, there's a lot of great ice fishing out there. There's a lot of pike in that lake. A mm-hmm. lot of a lot of crappie in that lake. And and it is a very good lake for big bass. If you want to go out and you know, but it's never overcrowded. 
No, it's not. It's amazing. No matter how much we talk about it, it's not overcrowded. And Lake Ovid out in Sleepy Hollow, that's another one, too, for, for muskie and for big bass out there. Um, and, and that's a big body of water, so it'll really test you. Yeah, I can I can tell people right where to go if they want to see a big muskie on that lake. There's one that's been there for years now. All right, greatlakespass.com. You just, they just ask Dan where it's at and throw a bass lure out there and you'll end up with that muskie, that's for sure, because you're always getting what you're not after. So, Dan Kimball, thank you so much for joining us, man. I appreciate you as always. Greatlakesbass.com. I'm Duran Martinez. This is Wild Michigan. Thanks to Not Just Guns. And thank you so much to Conquest Sense. Whole nother hour coming your way.